Good evening, and welcome to Spiritual Warfare. My name is Teresa. My name's Kay. And today we're going to be reading from the Book of Signs by Dr. David Jeremiah. And we are going to discuss heaven. He has lots of different topics and topics in this book. And we're quite excited to share a lot with you guys. But today, we're going to talk about heaven. And Miss Kay, go ahead and start us off. Do you want to share anything? Um, I just want to say that I know that Dr. David Jeremiah is uh, sound. And I'm happy to be um, heading in this direction in in our podcast. So I'm hoping it touches you as much as it will touch us. That it is a growing experience for everybody. Yeah, he has a lot of neat topics. The mark of the beast. What are some of them? Rapture, resurrection, persecution, spiritual warfare, apathy and morality, materialism, radical Islam, judgment seat of Christ. That's just a few. Yes. I'm sure. That, is there so, something in there about hell as well? Um, or is it just... Yeah, so it's a lot of exciting things. Yeah. Yes, so, so we're excited to dig in and share some stuff with you guys. So this chapter that we are going to be reading from is called Heaven. One December, Suzanne Edwards found a deflated helium, blue helium balloon in the backyard of her home in Monroe, Georgia. Attached to it was a tender picture of a man, woman, and a little boy. Hall seemed very happy. Also attached, a note scribbled in childlike printing as she read the note Susan began to cry it said dad I wish you were here so we could have fun together I wish you a merry Christmas I hope you tell God to give me those presents (laughs) I hope you're happy in heaven and if you're okay then tell me I love you and the author of those plaintive words as Susan learned later was seven-year-old Alarando Garcia, whose home was about 20 miles away. Three years before, Alarando had been living with his parents in Cucuta, Colombia, where his father, Carlos, was a law professor known for his pro-law enforcement views. On December 4th of 2013, Carlos was murdered in the street, and he was shot to death in front of Alarando. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Alarando's mother subsequently moved with him to the United States, but Christmas remained a poignant and painful season for the boy. Toward the end of the year, he composed a letter to his dad and sent it upward in a helium balloon with the belief that the balloon would ascend to heaven and take the message to his dad. Aww. Using social media, Suzanne attempted to get in touch with Alarando's mother by saying, a helium balloon floated into my yard today and landed on my heart. Writing a message to be passed on to the boy, Suzanne also told him, I want you to know that heaven is a wonderful place, more amazing than you and I can ever imagine. It's a place where there is no pain and no worries. I am certain your daddy didn't want to leave you or cause you to feel lonely or sad. He will always love you. And I'm sure that you make him proud. Have a Merry Christmas. When his mother relayed the message to him, Alarando cried. And so did millions of other people when the story was discovered and picked up by major media outlets around the globe. It touched my heart, too. 
while I'm pretty sure a blue helium balloon will not make it all the way up to heaven. Up to the heaven of heavens, I do believe God sees every sparrow that flies and falls. He knows the rising and the falling of our spirits. He knows the heartaches and the hopes of every child. He who directs the planets in their orbits can certainly send reminders of heaven to those of us on earth who need it. And we all need these reminders. We need the comfort that comes from knowing that the true biblical doctrine of heaven, that wonderful place, which has been a sign of God's love for his creation from Genesis to Revelation, and is more amazing than you and I can ever imagine, God created us for heaven. That's our true home. That's our country. That's our destination. And when we set our minds on things above, we can experience a supernatural peace even when the world around us is falling apart. At the rapture of the church, Jesus will escort believers to heaven to live with him forever. Can you imagine that? Seriously, the rapture and... Is that when he comes on a big white horse and takes us back? I believe it is. When the clouds part, I believe so. He comes on his big white horse. And as we'll soon discover in future chapters, amazing new experience are in store for believers in heaven while the tribulation unfolds on earth. In this chapter, I want to explore what the Bible teaches us about the nature of heaven, tracing what it's like now and what it will be like in the future. The prominence of heaven. Let's begin with some foundational truth about heaven. The word heaven is mentioned almost 700 times in the Bible. Wow. 33 of those, no, 33 of 39 Old Testament books talk about heaven, along with 21 books in the New Testament. The word heaven refers to something that is raised up or lofty. So the language of the Bible speaks of heaven as a place that is high, lofty, and lifted up. Heaven plays such a prominent role in Scripture that if you delete all references to it from the Word of God, the text of the Bible would fall apart in key <laughs> places and turn to mishmash. The plurality of heaven. As you work your way through the hundreds of mentions of the word heaven in the Bible, you'll soon realize, in fact, the Bible specifically speaks of three distinctive heavens. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians about his visions and revelations, he told them of a time when he was caught up to the third heaven in 2 Corinthians 12.2. That clearly implies there is also a first and second heaven. The first heaven. The first heaven is the atmospheric heaven. The sky with its clouds. Birds, the life-giving oxygen, Isaiah 55, 10, 11 says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but the water, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be. In this passage, the word heaven refers to the atmosphere that yields its rain and snow to the earth. We live on a privileged planet surrounded by a thin layer of gases, mainly nitrogen and oxygen, that make life possible. Traces of the earth's atmosphere stretch 300 miles into space, but it doesn't abruptly end. 
it simply tapers off gradually. The most vital resources of our atmosphere are within 10 miles of the surface of the earth. And God custom designed them to sustain life. No other planet in the entire universe has an atmosphere like ours. And this is the first heaven. The second heaven. The second heaven is the vast universe in which we live in. Filled with the billions of stars, planets, dust clouds, meteors, and galaxies. The story of the creation of the second heaven is told in Genesis 1, 4 through 17. And then God said, Let there be lights and the firmation of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights and the firmation of the heavens to give light on the on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in firmination of the heavens to give light on the earth. The psalmist refers to the second heaven when he wrote, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmination shows his handiwork. Psalms 19.1 Jesus said that at the very end of time, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, from Matthew, 4, Matthew 24, 29. These are all references to the second heaven, the stellar skies. The third heaven, the third heaven is the one Paul has in mind when he wrote, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know, God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. From 2 Corinthians 12, 2-4. Paul was not referring to that atmospheric heaven or to the stellar heaven he was referring to the highest heaven, the very dwelling place of God. King Solomon had a different name for this place in 1 Kings 8.27 when he said, Will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built. Moses called this the highest heavens. In Deuteronomy 10.14, Jesus was referring to this heaven when he taught us to pray, Our Father in heaven, from Matthew 6.9. The psalmist said, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven, from Psalms 11.4. And Psalms 103.19 says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. This heaven, the heaven of heavens, is the highest heaven. It is the local, it is the locale of the throne and the dwelling place of God. It is paradise. It is our eternal home. This is where we will soon live side by side with God and with the angels and with all the redeemed of all the ages. Wow. I don't think I've ever heard, heard it put that way. It's going to be amazing. 
we can't even imagine what heaven's about. It's important for us to realize the third heaven is just as real and just as literal as the other two heavens. The Bible refers to it as a place, a word that implies a specific literal location. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. And my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. That is really cool for his, for us, his children, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Just yeah. to... And we just, we just said that. Yes. He's got a mansion for us. He yes. does. Yes, he does. I told him to coffee and sushi, stack me up. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, oh, yeah, too. A book I want to remind or um, let our listeners know about is The Shack. Wow. You talk about a good book, you guys. Get a book called The Shack. And once you start, it's hard to put down. It's amazing. Amazing. Get that book. Jesus spoke those words in the upper room on the night before his death. He had just told his disciples he would die for them on the cross. He explained he would be buried and resurrected and that he would return to heaven. They were confused by this and filled with sorrow, but Jesus told them they shouldn't be troubled. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. The Greek word used in John is tapos. I don't know if tapos said that correctly, which strictly refers to a place that can be located, a real place. The Apostle Paul spoke of Christ as ascending to heaven to sit at God's right hand in the heavenly place. Jesus doesn't intend for us to live in a vapory netherland, in a disembodied haze, or in a blissful but intangible state of mind. No, the Bible refers to heaven to heaven as a specific place. Sometimes the Bible refers to heaven as a country, which implies vastness of territory. Sometimes it's referred to as a celestial city, which brings to mind buildings, streets, residence, and activity. Sometimes heaven is referred to as a kingdom, which speaks of organizations and government. In the passage I quoted from John 14, Jesus referred to heaven as my father's house. I think somewhere in the Bible, it also tells us we have jobs to do in heaven. Mm -hmm. There's something intimate, sweet, and personal about heaven when we talk about it as my father's house. It's no longer an empty space. In our mind's eyes, we see a home. Jesus promised that if we put our trust in him, he will prepare a place for us in our father's house that will serve as our heavenly home. There's nothing imaginary, hypothetical, or intangible about that. Where is this place? The Bible doesn't give us exact coordinates of latitude and long longitude, but the Bible does give us one important clue. Heaven is up. <laughs> that we know. Yeah. And Jesus took 
the boys' loaves and fish, and he looked up to heaven, blessed, broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples. At the very end of his earthly ministry, Jesus led his disciples to the Mount of Olives, and the Bible says he lifted his hands up and he blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he parted from them and carried up into heaven. Could you imagine seeing that? Came to pass while he blessed them. And then when he came back, it was like seeing a ghost. Just to be in that position and to be able to witness all of that, that's... They didn't recognize him. No, they did not. No. And what Thomas was the doubter. He still didn't believe. <laughs> he believed Jesus. And Jesus said, bless those who believe and don't see. But Thomas, he was... He was Jesus's child, but he made sure that Thomas knew and believed by the time he, he went did. back yes, up because he, he loves all of his children. Ephesians 4.10 says, He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. This kind of language permeates the scripture as heaven is continually viewed as being up above the earth and earth is described as down below the heavens of God. Where then is heaven? Heaven is up. But which way is up? That's not an easy question to answer. It depends on our location on the surface of the earth. Suppose America and China both launched a missile at the same time, each programmed to travel into space at a right angle from the location of its launch. Both missiles would go up, but they would be traveling through the solar system in opposite directions. Up is a helpful world, a helpful word, but it isn't very specific in terms of location. Let's narrow down the location of heaven a bit more. We find a fascinating reference to heaven in Isaiah 14:13. In the passage that speaks of the moment Lucifer was evicted from heaven following his rebellion against God. Notice the terminology, the Lord told the devil, you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. The last phrase is a reference to the third heaven, the farthest sides of the north. No matter where you are on earth, north will always be up. So it would seem reasonable to conclude that heaven is somewhere in the northern universe beyond the reach of astronomers' telescopes. And when I read science reports that a place exists in the northern heavens that seems strangely vacant of stars and galaxies, it validates that conclusion. Astronomers in Hawaii have found a huge hole in the universe that dwarfs anything else of its kind. One report tells us the supervoid, which is 1.8 billion light years across, is the largest known structure ever discovered in the universe, but scientists are baffled about what it is. Without the scriptures, which are inspired by the Holy Spirit, we would have no idea of heaven's existence or description, but God has revealed to us 
what heaven is like. Granted, even with the biblical data, we can't fully visualize heaven or appreciate all of its glories. But we can form a very biblical concept of what heaven is like, and we can visualize it with the parameters of biblical revelation. God desires we do so. Wow. North. North. North to Alaska. <laughs> Remember north, that song? Yes. Or head north, young man. Yeah. Right? Head, head north, young man. So, I don't know. I am, Ooh. yeah, heaven is going to be wonderful. Okay. A hundred percent, you're going to die. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. That's how we were created. Some people think we're going to be buried and that's the end of life. They do. Some people believe in heaven and not hell. They think hell is on earth right now. And when you die, then you go to heaven. Some people believe in heaven and hell. Some people believe you can lie in a state between heaven and earth, which they may call purgatory, I'm not sure, and be prayed into heaven. There's so many different beliefs about heaven and hell and and how you get there. And you get there not by being good. Some people believe you get to heaven by doing good works. So they do good works, but they don't know God. Most people think they are a good person. Yes. They do. Yes. Right. Yes, because they give to the community, they give money. They just think they're a good person. They just think they're a good person, and that gets you into heaven. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to acknowledge him. So if you haven't done that and you want to go to heaven, I suggest you do that. There's always a lot of toll-free numbers where people can call um, and talk to pastors. Pastors, absolutely, absolutely on on TBN. Just just call right one. I mean, yes, there's a lot of good programs. But okay, we're gonna close right now, and then next week we will talk about the preciousness of heaven. So we want to thank everybody for joining us today. And we will see you guys next week. Good night.